part two chapter three of lady byron vindicated a history of the byron controversy by harriet beecher stowe this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three part two chronological summary of events the first letter given by the quarterly from lady byron to mrs lee without a date evidently belongs to this period when the sisters society presented itself as a refuge in her approaching confinement mrs lee speaks of leaving the young wife conscious that the house presents no attractions and that soon she herself shall be laid by cannot urge mrs lee's stay as likely to give her any pleasure but only as a comfort to herself Quote, you will think me very foolish but i have tried two or three times and cannot talk to you of your departure with a decent visage so let me say one word in this way to spare my philosophy with the expectations which i have i never will nor can ask you to stay one moment longer than you are inclined to do it would be the worst return for all i ever received from you but in this at least i am truth itself when i say that whatever the situation may be there is no one whose society is dearer to me or can contribute more to my happiness these feelings will not change under any circumstances and i should be grieved if you did not understand them should you hereafter condemn me i shall not love you less i will say no more judge for yourself about going or staying i wish you to consider yourself if you could be wise enough to do that for the first time in your life thine a i b addressed on the cover to the honourable mrs lee this letter not being dated we have no clue but what we obtain from its own internal evidence it certainly is not written in lady byron's usual clear and elegant style and is in this respect in striking contrast to all her letters that i have ever seen but the notes written by a young woman under such peculiar and distressing circumstances must not be judged by the standard of calmer hours subsequently to this letter and during that stormy irrational period when lord byron's conduct became daily more and more unaccountable may have come that startling scene in which lord byron took every pains to convince his wife of improper relations subsisting between himself and his sister what an utter desolation this must have been to the wife tearing from her the last hold of friendship and the last refuge to which she had clung in her sorrows may easily be conceived in this crisis it appears that the sister convinced lady byron that the whole was to be attributed to insanity it would be a conviction gladly accepted and bringing infinite relief although still surrounding her path with fearful difficulties that such was the case is plainly asserted by lady byron in her statement published in eighteen thirty speaking of her separation lady byron says the facts are i left london for kirkby mallory the residence of my father and mother on the fifteenth of january eighteen sixteen lord byron had signified to me in writing january sixth his absolute desire that i should leave london on the earliest day that i could conveniently fix it was not safe for me to encounter the fatigues of a journey sooner than the fifteenth 
previously to my departure it had been strongly impressed on my mind that lord byron was under the influence of insanity this opinion was in a great measure derived from the communications made to me by his nearest relatives and personal attendant now there was no nearer relative than mrs lee and the personal attendant was fletcher it was therefore presumably mrs lee who convinced lady byron of her husband's insanity lady byron says quote, it was even represented to me that he was in danger of destroying himself with the concurrence of his family i had consulted with dr bailey as a friend on january eighth as to his supposed malady End quote now lord byron's written order for her to leave came on january sixth it appears then that lady byron acting in concurrence with mrs lee and others of her husband's family consulted dr bailey on january eighth as to what she should do the symptoms presented to dr bailey being evidently insane hatred of his wife on the part of lord byron and a determination to get her out of the house lady byron goes on quote, on acquainting him with the state of the case and with lord byron's desire that i should leave london dr bailey thought my absence might be advisable as an experiment assuming the fact of mental derangement for dr bailey not having had access to lord byron could not pronounce an opinion on that point he enjoined that in correspondence with lord byron i should avoid all but light and soothing topics under these impressions i left london determined to follow the advice given me by dr bailey whatever might have been the nature of lord byron's treatment of me from the time of my marriage yet supposing him to have been in a state of mental alienation it was not for me nor for any person of common humanity to manifest at that moment a sense of injury it appears then that the domestic situation in byron's house at the time of his wife's expulsion was one so grave as to call for family counsel for lady byron generally accurate speaks in the plural number his nearest relatives certainly includes mrs lee his family includes more that some of lord byron's own relatives were cognizant of facts at that time and that they took lady byron's side is shown by one of his own chance admissions in moore's volume six page three ninety four in a letter on bowls he says speaking of this time quote, all my relations save one fell from me like leaves from a tree in autumn End quote and in medwin's conversations he says quote, even my cousin george byron who had been brought up with me and whom i loved as a brother took my wife's part the conduct must have been marked in the extreme that led to this result we cannot help stopping here to say that lady byron's situation at this time has been discussed in our days with a want of ordinary human feeling that is surprising let any father and mother reading this look on their own daughter and try to make the case their own after a few short months of married life months full of patient endurance of the strangest and most unaccountable treatment she comes to them expelled from her husband's house an object of hatred and aversion to him and having to settle for herself the awful question whether he is a dangerous madman or a determined villain such was this young wife's situation 
with a heart at times wrung with compassion for her husband as a helpless maniac and fearful that all may end in suicide yet compelled to leave him she writes on the road the much quoted letter beginning dear duck this is an exaggerated and unnatural letter it is true but of precisely the character that might be expected from an inexperienced young wife when dealing with a husband supposed to be insane the next day she addressed to augusta this letter quote, my dearest a it is my great comfort that you are still in piccadilly and again on the twenty-third dearest a i know you feel for me as i do for you and perhaps i am better understood than i think you have been ever since i knew you my best comforter and will so remain unless you grow tired of the office which may well be we can see here how self-denying and heroic appears to lady byron the conduct of the sister who patiently remains to soothe and guide and restrain the moody madman whose madness takes a form at times so repulsive to every womanly feeling she intimates that she should not wonder should augusta grow weary of the office lady byron continues her statement thus quote, when i arrived at kirkby mallory my parents were unacquainted with the existence of any causes likely to destroy my prospects of happiness and when i communicated to them the opinion that had been formed concerning lord byron's state of mind they were most anxious to promote his restoration by every means in their power they assured those relations that were with him in london that quote, they would devote their whole care and attention to the alleviation of his malady End quote. here we have a quotation from a letter written by lady milbank to the anxious relations who are taking counsel about lord byron in town footnote this little incident shows the characteristic carefulness and accuracy of lady byron's habits this statement was written fourteen years after the events spoken of but lady byron carefully quotes a passage from her mother's letter written at that time this shows that a copy of lady milbank's letter had been preserved and makes it appear probable that copies of the whole correspondence of that period were also kept great light could be thrown on the whole transaction could these documents be consulted and footnote lady byron also adds in justification of her mother from lord byron's slanders Quote, she had always treated him with an affectionate consideration and indulgence which extended to every little peculiarity of his feelings never did an irritating word escape her lips in her whole intercourse with him now comes a remarkable part of lady byron's statement Quote, the accounts given me after i left lord byron by those in constant intercourse with him added to those doubts which had before transiently occurred to my mind as to the reality of the alleged disease and the reports of his medical attendants were far from establishing anything like lunacy footnote here again lady byron's sealed papers might furnish light the letters addressed to her at this time by those in constant intercourse with lord byron are doubtless preserved and would show her ground for action End footnote. when these doubts arose in her mind it is not natural to suppose that they should at first involve mrs lee 
she still appears to lady byron as the devoted believing sister fully convinced of her brother's insanity and endeavouring to restrain and control him but if lord byron were sane if the purposes he had avowed to his wife were real he must have lied about his sister in the past and perhaps have the worst intentions for the future the horrors of that state of vacillation between the conviction of insanity and the commencing conviction of something worse can scarcely be told at all events the wife's doubts extend so far that she speaks out to her parents under this uncertainty says the statement i deemed it right to communicate to my parents that if i were to consider lord byron's past conduct as that of a person of sound mind nothing could induce me to return to him it therefore appeared expedient both to them and to myself to conduct the ablest advisers for that object and also to obtain still further information respecting appearances which indicated mental derangement my mother determined to go to london she was empowered by me to take legal opinion on a written statement of mine though i then had reasons for reserving a part of the case from the knowledge even of my father and mother it was during this time of uncertainty that the next letter to mrs lee may be placed it seems to be rather a fragment of a letter than a whole one perhaps it is an extract in which case it would be desirable if possible to view it in connection with the remaining text january twenty fifth eighteen sixteen my dearest augusta shall i still be your sister i must resign my right to be so considered but i don't think that will make any difference in the kindness i have so uniformly experienced from you this fragment is not signed nor finished in any way but indicates that the writer is about to take a decisive step on the seventeenth as we have seen lady milbank had written inviting lord byron subsequently she went to london to make more particular inquiries into his state this fragment seems part of a letter from lady byron called forth in view of some evidence resulting from her mother's observations footnote probably lady milbank's letters are among the sealed papers and would more fully explain the situation and footnote lady byron now adds quote, being convinced by the results of these inquiries and by the tenor of lord byron's proceedings that the notion of insanity was an illusion i no longer hesitated to authorize such measures as were necessary in order to secure me from ever being again placed in his power conformably with this resolution my father wrote to him on the second of february to request an amicable separation the following letter to mrs lee is dated the day after this application and is in many respects a noticeable one kirkby mallory february third eighteen sixteen my dearest augusta you are desired by your brother to ask if my father has acted with my concurrence in proposing a separation he has it cannot be supposed that in my present distressing situation i am capable of stating in a detailed manner the reasons which will not only justify this measure but compel me to take it and it never can be my wish to remember unnecessarily those injuries for which however deep i feel no resentment 
i will now only recall to lord byron's mind his avowed and insurmountable aversion to the married state and the desire and determination he has expressed ever since its commencement to free himself from that bondage as finding it quite insupportable though candidly acknowledging that no effect of duty or affection has been wanting on my part he has too painfully convinced me that all these attempts to contribute toward his happiness were wholly useless and most unwelcome to him i enclose this letter to my father wishing it to receive his sanction ever yours most affectionately a i byron we observe in this letter that it was written to be shown to lady byron's father and receive his sanction and as that father was in ignorance of all the deeper causes of trouble in the case it will be seen that the letter must necessarily be a reserved one this sufficiently accounts for the guarded character of the language when speaking of the causes of separation one part of the letter incidentally overthrows lord byron's statement which he always repeated during his life and which is repeated for him now namely that his wife forsook him instead of being as she claims expelled by him she recalls to lord byron's mind the desire and determination he has expressed ever since his marriage to free himself from its bondage this is in perfect keeping with the absolute desire signified by writing that she should leave his house on the earliest day possible and she places the cause of the separation on his having too painfully convinced her that he does not want her as a wife it appears that augusta hesitates to show this note to her brother it is bringing on a crisis which she above all others would most wish to avoid in the meantime lady byron receives a letter from lord byron which makes her feel it more than ever essential to make the decision final i have reason to believe that this letter is preserved in lady byron's papers february fourth eighteen sixteen quote, i hope my dear augusta that you would on no account withhold from your brother the letter which i sent yesterday in answer to yours written by his desire particularly as one which i received from himself to-day renders it still more important that he should know the contents of that addressed to you i am in haste and not very well yours most affectionately a i byron the last of this series of letters is less like the style of lady byron than any of them we cannot judge whether it is the whole consecutive letter or fragments from a letter selected and united there is a great want of that clearness and precision which usually characterized lady byron's style it shows however that the decision is made a decision which she regrets on account of the sister who has tried so long to prevent it kirkby mallory february fourteenth eighteen sixteen the present sufferings of all may yet be repaid in blessings do not despair absolutely dearest and leave me but enough of your interest to afford you any consolation by partaking of that sorrow which i am most unhappy to cause thus unintentionally you will be of my opinion hereafter and at present your bitterest reproach would be forgiven though heaven knows you have considered me more than a thousand would have done more than anything but my affection for b one most dear to you could deserve i must not remember these feelings farewell god bless you from the bottom of my heart a i b 
we are here to consider that mrs lee has stood to lady byron in all this long agony as her only confidant and friend that she has denied the charges her brother has made and referred them to insanity admitting insane attempts upon herself which she has been obliged to watch over and control lady byron has come to the conclusion that augusta is mistaken as to insanity that there is a real wicked purpose and desire on the part of the brother not as yet believed in by the sister she regards the sister as one who though deceived and blinded is still worthy of confidence and consideration and so says to her you will be of my opinion hereafter she says you have considered me more than a thousand would have done mrs lee is in lady byron's eyes a most abused and innocent woman who to spare her sister in a delicate situation has taken on herself the whole charge of a maniacal brother although suffering from him language and actions of the most injurious kind that mrs lee did not flee the house at once under such circumstances and wholly decline the management of the case seems to lady byron consideration and self-sacrifice greater than she can acknowledge the knowledge of the whole extent of the truth came to lady byron's mind at a later period we now take up the history from lushington's letter to lady byron published at the close of her statement the application to lord byron for an act of separation was positively refused at first it being an important part of his policy that all the responsibility and insistence should come from his wife and that he should appear forced into it contrary to his will dr lushington however says to lady byron quote, i was originally consulted by lady noel on your behalf while you were in the country the circumstances detailed by her were such as justified a separation but they were not of that aggravated description as to render such a measure indispensable on lady noel's representations i deemed a reconciliation with lord byron practicable and felt most sincerely a wish to aid in effecting it there was not on lady noel's part any exaggeration of the facts nor so far as i could perceive any determination to prevent a return to lord byron certainly none was expressed when i spoke of a reconciliation in this crisis with lord byron refusing the separation with lushington expressing a wish to aid in a reconciliation and lady noel not expressing any aversion to it the whole strain of the dreadful responsibility comes upon the wife she resolves to ask counsel of her lawyer in view of a statement of the whole case lady byron is spoken of by lord byron letter two thirty three as being in town with her father on the twenty ninth of february viz fifteen days after the date of the last letter to mrs lee it must have been about this time then that she laid her whole case before lushington and he gave it a thorough examination the result was that lushington expressed in the most decided terms his conviction that reconciliation was impossible the language he uses is very striking Quote, when you came to town in about a fortnight or perhaps more after my first interview with lady noel i was for the first time informed by you of facts utterly unknown as i have no doubt to sir ralph and lady noel on receiving this additional information my opinion was entirely changed i considered a reconciliation impossible 
i declared my opinion and added that if such an idea should be entertained i could not either professionally or otherwise take any part towards effecting it End quote. it does not appear in this note what effect the lawyer's examination of the case had on lady byron's mind by the expressions he uses we should infer that she may still have been hesitating as to whether a reconciliation might not be her duty this hesitancy he does away with most decisively saying a reconciliation is impossible and supporting lady byron or her friends desirous of one he declares positively that he cannot either professionally as a lawyer or privately as a friend have anything to do with effecting it the lawyer it appears has drawn from the facts of the case inferences deeper and stronger than those which presented themselves to the mind of the young woman and he instructs her in the most absolute terms fourteen years after in eighteen thirty for the first time the world was astonished by this declaration from dr lushington in language so pronounced and positive that there could be no mistake lady byron had stood all these fourteen years slandered by her husband and misunderstood by his friends when had she so chosen this opinion of dr lushington's could have been at once made public which fully justified her conduct if as the blackwood of july insinuates the story told to lushington was a malignant slander meant to injure lord byron why did she suppress the judgment of her counsel at a time when all the world was on her side and this decision would have made the decisive blow against her husband why by sealing the lips of counsel and of all whom she could influence did she deprive herself finally of the very advantage for which it has been assumed she fabricated the story this ends chapter three the chronological summary of events Read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana.